how, in Fleet Street back in the day, did you get your foot on the next rung of the ladder? One aspect of sexual discrimination worked in our favour, where a few of us were concerned, anyway. It would have been churlish, for instance, to have moaned about some of the less enjoyable aspects of football reporting when it brought me fame and opportunities because I was female. One of the themes we've already touched on is the one woman, and a must-have in the late 1960s and early 70s was The Girl Reporter, the template for which was the Evening Standard's Maureen Cleave. In 1969, the author Hunter Davies, then editor of the Sunday Times' Look pages, offered Valerie Grove the role. She was, at this point, Valerie Jenkins, and at the interview, Davies said, You're married. How old is your husband? He's 25, said Valerie. He's gone to work on Nova. But what a funny question to ask. If she'd been a man, he wouldn't have asked the age of the wife, surely. The offer from the Sunday Times brought a dilemma. Should she take it up or stay at the standard where she was so happy? My pa said, you should go. Nobody ever thanks you for staying, recalled Valerie. But Charles Winter counted the Sunday Times offer with £2,250 per annum, and I stayed at the standard. Hunter Davies gave the girl reporter job to Jilly Cooper instead. At the standard, Valerie added feature writing to her Londoner's diary brief. In due course, she faced another dilemma. What do you do when you have a well-known byline, part of which is now defunct? Divorced and remarried to her fellow journalist Trevor Grove, she wasn't Valerie Jenkins anymore. It was the end of my maternity leave with my second daughter, she said. I decided to change my name to Grove instead of keeping my first husband's name. Charles Winter said, bad idea. You've written as Valerie Jenkins for 10 years. You've written a book under that name. It's like starting out all over again. And he was right. But in 1980, she was appointed the Standards Literary Editor, and she carried on with that and the feature writing for another seven years and two more children. Then came another decision to be made. One morning early in 1987, she received a phone call from Andrew Neal, then editor of the Sunday Times. He'd liked a piece I'd written about Edwina Curry. I think he mistook me for a political journalist and offered me a job. New technology was bringing in new newspapers, and various people from the Standard were being recruited. I felt I was being left behind. I thought, I turned down the Times in 1969, and I'm about to be 40, and this could be my last chance. I succumbed. I was very conscious that first day at Wapping that it was totally, utterly different from Fleet Street and all that it meant. It was such a hideous, windowless, modern, silent office, and nobody talking or going to the pub or lunching. I went back to Fleet Street that first Friday and rejoined happy, noisy Standard and Telegraph folks at Mother Bunch's under the railway. Oh God, what have I done, she thought. Not everyone felt these emotional ties. Jennifer Selway had been at The Observer since 1979 and was still its TV previewer, her abilities going unrecognised. She found an outlet for her energies with additional freelance work, writing for Woman's Journal, Options and 19, and providing pieces for The Mirror and a weekly TV column for a magazine. 
None of it exactly Pulitzer Prize winning, was it? She said. There was, too, one humiliating incident soon after the birth of her second child. I came back from about half an hour's maternity leave, at which Simon Hoggett, then the Observer's political writer, tried to get me sacked. He was annoyed because he'd been on Did You See? A programme about TV, and I'd missed it out of the Sunday listings. It was a mistake, a bad mistake, but nobody died. He didn't complain to me. He just went straight to the editor, Donald Trelford, who didn't sack me. He just ignored it.